Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Coming up on the match day edition of the Gagan Pod, Liverpool are through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. What's everybody worried about? They absolutely smashed Leipzig 4-0 with Salah and Mane on the score sheet. It's all too easy. Maybe wasn't so easy for PSG. They had a huge lead over Barcelona before the second leg. A one-all draw was enough to get them through to the final eight, but it was a game marred in controversy. Ridiculous refereeing decisions. We'll try not to get too bogged down in that. We'll also preview the round of 16 matches in the Europa League. The game's remaining in the Champions League, talk Manchester City's massive victory over Southampton and preview the Premier League this weekend as well. It's always nice to have you with us on the Gagan Pod Match Day Edition. I'm Richard Bayless. Uh, joining us today, as always, Dave Weiner, our sports editor, alongside two greats to the game, John Aloisi and Thomas Sorensen. Uh, Tommy, I'll start with you today. Liverpool, it's all too easy for them. 4-0 on aggregate. 2-0 winners, What's, they're great, aren't they? As long as they play uh, in Hungary, uh, they're great. <laughs> um, you know, great great performance. Uh, you know, again, created plenty of chances, could have finished it off earlier in, in the first half. Uh, you know, Leipzig uh, weren't as good as, as I expected, and I think several of us expected. I think they uh, didn't really create much. Um, the threat to that sort of inexperienced back four didn't really materialise and, and Liverpool I think can take a lot and into the Premier League and hopefully it can be a springboard to some better results. Well we'll talk about Liverpool what happened obviously Salah and Mane scoring again just like they did in the first leg at the same stadium in the Pushcast Arena but Leipzig John were just really disappointing because we all know they can be good they're entertaining Nagelsmann is a well-dressed manager with a lot of different ideas fantastic it all makes for a good matchup but when you look over the two legs you think it just wasn't was it? No, look, I actually thought they were better in the first leg. Uh, even though they defensively made those uh, those errors, I thought they created more. The intensity was really good in the in the first leg. I actually thought today that they didn't really have a go. It, it was sort of like they were, they were playing within themselves. They were playing a little bit with that fear of if we concede, the game's over, um, which really the game was over. And, uh, yeah, a bit disappointing. But, you know, Leipzig will look at it now that they can really focus on the Bundesliga because they've got a good opportunity there. It's it's one that uh, will be amazing if they do win it, but they're only two points behind Bayern Munich. They won't have that distraction of the actual Champions League anymore. So, you know, maybe Nagelsmann uh, might not be so disappointed. Yeah, between the two ties, they won all four games. They scored 14 goals. We just didn't really get a sign of that. And I guess you have to doff your cap, if you like. Second pod in a row, I've used that phrase. Probably won't use it again, Dave. Uh, the fact that Liverpool... You know, they were happy about it. Big smiles, big hugs at full time. Salah loving it, Mane loving it, you know, Klopp um, around everybody. I wonder how much of that is genuine relief and maybe how much of it is kind of putting out the vibe that, hey, like we're still very much a team. Bit of both because of the language before the game about this being needed to rescue their season. So uh, there's a part of me that says, uh, as 
much as I felt that the tie passed Leipzig by, if you think about it, if it wasn't for Peter Galacci in the first half, Liverpool should have been out and home and hose within probably 20 minutes. So um, they dragged the tie out probably a little bit longer than it needed to have been. So I think there was a little bit of show. I think every, there's always a bit of um, there's always a bit of a show in the Premier League, and, and every good manager knows when to make those plays in public, and Klopp did that, and that shows we are together as a group still despite this adversity. We're going to come back, and we're seven points off. We're going to have a play. But I also wonder, and a lot of the chatter post-game uh, already in the reaction in the UK is around this, is as bad as Liverpool been, some of the key reasons for that, we started to see a few resolutions to that today. We started to see Fabinho back. We started to see Diogo Jota back. Um, but Fabinho in the middle of the park is like a domino. All of a sudden, Thiago has the man he was, one of the two men he was signed to play with. All of a sudden, the two guys behind have that protection in front of them. I don't think that can be understated as poor as Leipzig were. Yeah, I think that's a, the, the big difference for Liverpool is having Fabinho back in the midfield. And, and, and we know how good he is defensively and giving him that balance. But it allows Wijnaldum, it allows Thiago to play that little bit higher up. And Wijnaldum especially, because he actually he gives him that drive going forward and, and, uh, and he helps out uh, the, the, the strikers a lot because because he can also pop up and score goals and get into goal-scoring positions. But uh, the, the big thing, Jota was good, uh, and he will get better with more uh, rhythm. But the big thing was the two centre-backs impressed me today, you know, because we were a little bit, well, how are they going to go? Um, you know, they, they're, they're very young, uh, inexperienced centre-backs, but they did well. So can they now carry that on into the Premier League is another question. Yeah, Quebec and Phillips, and all of a sudden, if they're playing well, when everybody comes back, they've got about eight decent centre-halves. So it can turn quite quickly going into next season. I wonder, Thomas, how good are Liverpool in terms of this competition? Because I think we all sort of agree that this is their only route to the Champions League next season, unless they can go on an amazing run in the Premier League, of course, and get back in the top four. But are they good enough in your eyes to actually win when you consider your Bayern Munichs of the world and you know Manchester City will talk PSG who weren't necessarily at their best but they're through as well. There are some good sides they'll need to get through if there are any chance. I think a semi-final is, is a possibility. Um, I can't see them winning. Um, you know, Van Dijk, I think, is too big a loss. You know, he, he, he was the one that, that, that sort of connected it all, all the dots and, and, and made that way they played possible. Um, and I think, you know, people have a lot more material on them and how they're, going, how they're playing. And when they come up against clinical t- size, a Man City, a, you know, a Bayern Munich late in the, in the competition, I think they're sadly not right there where they were last year even, um, and the year before. Even if on a one-off occasion, on a one-off day, there's a f- they end up at a point of the season where their eleven does have a midfield of Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, or whoever else he chooses to play. The front three start to have their confidence back again. Can they mitigate for that Van Dyke absence on their day to make a run to the final? Of course, on their day they can because they still got a lot of quality. But you're talking about, um, you know, Bayern Munich and Manchester City, who are clearly the best sides at the moment in the Champions League. So something needs to happen for them not to make the final. Uh, and at the moment, Liverpool aren't quite there without Van Dyke. If you are a Liverpool fan, Thomas, who do you want to draw in the next round? We don't know everybody, of course, but we know that Porto are through. Juve are out, Bayern Munich and Man City are likely to be in there along with a a PSG. Who do you want? Maybe a Dortmund or something, someone that will make it an open game? I think so. You, you, you know, you'd obviously avoid uh, the two teams we've talked about. <laughs> I think that's that's the first force. Uh, and and then I think you know Liverpool will have a a confidence in with their European exploits over the last couple of years. Even though the Premier League side hasn't been great, as the Premier League hasn't been great, 
you know they'll fancy themselves against uh, anyone. So I don't think they're that worried about it. Uh, you know their style of play, and, and you know hopefully they they'll improve from from now to the end of the season. Liverpool, Chelsea, Dave. What do you think? Chelsea <laughs> still got to get through. There's a bit of history there in the Champions League. That'd be nice. Well, the draw god tell us it's either going to be Liverpool, Chelsea, or Liverpool, uh, Dortmund, isn't it? Yeah, or or Bayern Munich, or Man City, or Porto. <laughs> I mean, you're right, yeah. yeah. Could be could be any one of those. Well, it could also be PSG, because they also made their way through to the quarterfinals, and whilst they had a much bigger advantage than Liverpool going in, probably more of the drama over the two legs happened against Barcelona, including in the second leg on Thursday morning. It was 1-1 in the end, which was more than enough to see PSG through. In the end, it was 5-2 on aggregate. Pretty comfortable, John, but... Uh, an amazing game. Let's step through it in order of the incidents. And they were incidents because it was just, a, again, a nutty game. They went ahead PSG through Kylian Mbappe from the spot. A penalty that never in a million years should be a penalty, surely. Yeah, uh, in a million years it shouldn't be. But <laughs> funny enough, this referee gave it after looking at it uh, on the monitor from VAR. I, I, don't, I don't understand. They don't have a feel. I'm not saying all referees don't have a feel. Don't get me wrong. This referee did not have a feel for the game in terms of giving that a penalty. Lenglet is actually looking at the ball. He's, uh, he's accidentally tripped. I know that letter by the law they say he's tripped him up and that should be given a penalty. But the ball's gone into Ter Stegen's hands. So he's got no chance in scoring. No one even really appeals for PSG. And the referee goes and gives it a penalty. It just it blows my mind how they can get something so wrong. And uh, and, and it's, it's upsetting because that kills the game. That kills, you know, what we're trying to watch, the spectacle. And, you know, I'm not saying that it would have changed the result, but they shouldn't be getting those things so wrong. Yeah, it was a frustrating one from a neutral's point of view, let alone a Barcelona fan. But that same Barcelona fan, moments later, Thomas, off their feet like they've been so many times over the past 15 or so years. Lionel Messi, what a goal. Uh, Kalen Avas, and from a goalkeeper's perspective, he looked awful <laughs> in trying to stop this one. But you kind of look at it and go, no one would have saved it either way. I think the more you look at it, you sort of feel for Navas. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been in goal, uh, you know, I've, Ronaldo is, is, you know, because it was very typical Ronaldo strike from his early days, you know, a little bit sort of just a, a quick lift and then... Seems you know, to just, gain pace as gain, Yeah, traveling. it gains pace and then it, it's sort of halfway through the flight, it suddenly just breaks uh, away from the keeper. And, and you, you can sort of, because you have to quickly take a couple of steps and you're sort of you're following the flight. You take one step and it's like I'm I'm there, and then suddenly, and that's when that, you sort of you dive too late. Really, he <laughs> sort of dived into mid air, and, and the ball was already past him. You know, a tremendous strike, and really, it's not the strike you see very often from Messi. He normally loves to curl him. You know, that was tremendous. Yeah, it was a, a Wazim Akram sort of late out swinger <laughs> with the left and just late. Obviously, being a big cricket fan, Thomas, you'll know exactly who you're talking I've, about. I've been following him very closely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wazim Akram, great. He or she was fantastic. Uh, Dave, then it all exploded. I mean, 1-1 one, is how it finished. They were the two goals in the game. We said actually off air, which doesn't help anybody sitting here listening now, but we were saying a goal before half time, a second one for Barcelona would really make it interesting. Then they get a penalty and you're like, here we go, this game is on. Talk us through it from there, because Lionel Messi's penalty is saved by Navas, a bit of revenge there, but it should have been called back, right? So, yeah, so by the way, this is after uh, 
Messi at Barcelona have been really good for most of the first half and, and putting a lot of pressure on, on PSG. So that's the impo- first important part of this is they had the setback. Then Messi has gone, screw this, I'm taking matters into my own hands. And then they win a penalty, which I think has been overshadowed by what I'm about to talk about now because I know both of you guys probably thought it was a little bit soft, but it's been given. And then Messi steps up. We think, well, we just put one from 30 yards with a late swing, reverse swing. He's, shot, he's got the shiny side. He's colored it in. It's gone to the top corner. He's going to bury this. And Kayla Navas steps up. Brilliant. Okay. So then we're back into the same situation as yesterday where VAR is replaying it to see quickly if he, Navas is off his line. He wasn't. What he didn't check to see was whether all the players have encroached. And in the end, Marco Verratti did so. And he was the one that cleared it. So what we're all struggling to understand right now is if you're going to be looking at the letter of the law, black and white, surely encroachment plus clearing the ball plus penalty saves equals you retake it. Why not? Because they got it wrong. Again, uh, look, encroachment, sometimes I look at it and I say, you know, it didn't really interfere with play, so just let it go. Um, but this did because the ball came back to Verratti and he cleared the ball. So he's he's actually uh, encroached in the D. Uh, he hasn't entered the 18-yard box, but in the D you're not allowed to while just before Messi hits the ball. So they got it wrong. It should have gone back. And this is where it's frustrating because, first of all, you get something clearly wrong to give a penalty. Um, against Longley and uh, for PSG, and then you go and get this wrong. The, the referee and VAR in this game had a bit of a nightmare, and it's uh, it was upsetting. But the, the positive thing you spoke about how well Barcelona played in the first half. They played well the whole game, and they created chances. Navas was uh, PSG's man of the match. Um, they probably knew they weren't going to get through the tie. But out of this, there's a lot of positive stories. We said only two weeks ago that maybe this is Messi's last Champions League game at the Camp Nou for Barcelona. Well, after this game, after the two weeks they've had, Laporta back in as president of Barcelona. I think they will convince Messi to stay. Wow. Well, that's a big turnaround very quickly as well. And if that is the case for them, so positives for Barcelona despite being out of the competition. What about for PSG? Because they were absolutely dominated in this second leg, Thomas. Is that just a matter of them trying to scrape through to the final eight? Or do you need to look at them and go, mm, maybe they're not quite as good as we thought? Yeah, that, that's a that's a big question. I think Pochettino coming into this game had had them set up to just contain Barcelona. They, they weren't that great. Then Bele, <laughs> I think, had three or four massive chances and, and could have buried them really by himself. Uh, then the penalty, so... There's some worrying things there. I, I didn't think that they, even in, you know, trying to counter. I think Mbappe was kept fairly quiet. There wasn't really a lot created because you, you know you can see sit back, okay, but we're gonna hit them on the break and we're gonna be dangerous on the break. But they weren't really. And you look at the inexperience of of the Barcelona back four. You know that you know there should be possibilities there, and they they didn't really create it and were given in our views that the, the 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 first goal so uh yeah i'm 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 but the questions are still out on them from from my point of view going further into the competition good thing for them though and i promise this is the last time we'll mention it they can put behind them what happened four years ago when Barcelona did come back. PSG can go, you know what, that's old, old news now because the most recent meeting, we got through it. Yeah, I reckon that, that they had that fear in their, in the back of their yeah. mind still. That's the way they were playing. They looked like they were playing with fear. It looked like, you know what, we just want to get through this tie. We don't care how we get through. We're just yeah. going to get through it uh, because <laughs> can you imagine if that goal went in? I know it's easy to say, but if penalty goes in just before half time. 
definitely the fear would have been there. It, it was an impossible situation for them to actually set up for because you are 4-1 up. I mean, th- there's only one thing that can happen that's going to be dramatic and that's that you're not going through. But the funny thing is, Akurzawa, who gave away the penalty, he was the guy that scored the own goal a couple of four years ago and Pochettino hooked him <laughs> to make sure that there was no bad <laughs> omens after that. So that we, we're not having any of those vibes here. Well, you know, you say there's nothing else they can do. Maurizio Pochettino, disciple of Marcelo Bielsa. Bielsa wouldn't have sat Could back have gone on for it. the eight. What yeah. are we now? 14 minutes and 35 seconds into this podcast. I've mentioned Leeds. Excellent. Now, coming up next week, of course, still four games, still where to be decided who goes through to join the quarterfinalists. We think that Man City with a 2-0 advantage over Gladbach will get through on Wednesday morning. At the same time, Real Madrid Madrid host Atalanta hosting a narrow 1-0 lead there. The following day, it's the same story for Chelsea. They're at home with a 1-0 lead over Atletico, whilst Bayern Munich, who have a 4-1 advantage over Lazio, you suspect, will get the job done and continue to show people just how serious they are. And that's the thing, Dave. We mentioned the fact that PSG, you know, don't really know how to go about it. Guaranteed Bayern Munich won't be holding back. Oh, they'll go for eight. I'll go for it. There's no, no doubt about that. Um, no, more just with the history of the PSG Barca tie in that it, you could just tell they just had to get through it. And so I'm not reading too much into it, but do agree with uh, the, the strong oh, power still, rankings that they're probably not up there. With yeah, the, but with the still like guys. Neymar, hopefully we'll, yeah. we'll come back in. So that gives them, you know, definitely a top player in, you know, in the front third. And, you know, so they, they'll, they'll be a threat, but, you know, I still have doubts. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, so as for the Sorensen power rankings, we've heard (laughs) a lot of these. We know four teams are through. We've got... Porto, Liverpool, PSG, and Dortmund. What's your four? The top Thomas Sorensen power rankings for our quarterfinalists so far. Of those four? Yep. Um, you know, even with uh, Liverpool struggles, are uh, still of those four, hold them at the top. Top seed. Yes, PSG second. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Um, they're still they're still not quite convincing for me, even though they they play great down in Barcelona and uh, Dortmund, uh, third. I think they they have a lot in Haaland. You know, with him, you can beat anyone. And then Porto, even though they're impressed, uh, I still see them being the weakest link. That's interesting as well, John, because I would put it out there. You guys are the experts, but I have a theory that of all the teams Liverpool could draw in the next round. I reckon you'd want to maybe avoid Porto because, yes, they'll have Taremi out. He's suspended. But the way they set up, how defensive they are, they won't have the space they had against Leipzig. Yeah, and no one expects them to win. And uh, and Porto uh, underdogs, whenever they play, really, unless they're playing in the Portuguese league, which uh, they're 10 points off of Sporting. So, yeah, I look, they're going to be a team that no one really will want to actually face because they do make it hard for you. They don't mind playing a little bit ugly but still getting the job done. Um, They got through the group stage without conceding a goal at home. Um, So, yeah, not an easy team to play against. I think Porto are one of those teams that could surprise whoever they play next round. I'll tell you what, by the way, that's the most attention the world's media has given Porto. Did you guys see the clip of Sergio Conte-Sal's press conference? Mm. That's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. They've just come off these massive heights on the Optus Sports social channels, if you hadn't seen it. There were no questions. 
no one turned up on Zoom to speak to him. They've just knocked. Uh, they've just <laughs> they've just got through the Champions League quarterfinals, and there was no question. Is there a reason yeah. why? Or the Italian media, surely? Yeah, but then he says, "Any Portuguese questions? No. Okay, let's go. I'm out." <laughs> it was fine. Fine for him. He just wanted to go and party and there celebrate. Must, there must be something to, uh, in that because. Concessao has rubbed up a few people the wrong way in terms of uh, the coaches. He had that a bit of a bust up mm. with Guardiola saying, you know, if I had that uh, the players that he's got and the money that he spent, then I'd play good football as well. Uh, and then you, you just saw like uh, towards the Juventus bench after the game, it wasn't quite that nice. So there might be something in that. I'm not sure. But for no one to turn up, I've actually never seen that before. <laughs> You'd love it though as a coach. Oh, you wouldn't be too upset, especially if you won. Yeah, absolutely. With cold beers on the bus, no doubt. Now, on Friday morning, live and up to sport, eight games coming your way in the Europa League. Four early, four later. When I say early, 4.55 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time and four games at seven. The early ones, Slavia Prague at home to Rangers. Super interesting, that tie. Manchester United and Milan, arguably the tie of the day. Dynamo Kiev at home to Villarreal and then Ajax against Young Boys. The later kickoffs, we've got Granada at home to Mulder. Tottenham at home to Dynamo Zagreb. Arsenal travel to Olympiacos, the team that knocked them out last year and then Roma at home to Shakhtar Donetsk. One word answer, gentlemen, as we sit here on the precipice of the round of 16 in the Europa League. Who's your favourite? John, who's going to win it? Got no favourite. It's too open. This, this, the, oh, here we go. The Europa League, I know is one word answer, but um, Europa League is so hard to pick because, you know, I, I, you see out of all of those sides, any of them could win it. Probably not young boys, but uh, anyone else could win it. Granada? <laughs> Granada are a tough team to play against. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're not easy. So it, I think that it's it's more of a leveller, the Europa League, in terms of who can go and win it. Whereas Champions League, you say there's two clear favourites, Manchester City, Bayern Munich. In this Europa League, I can't say there's a clear favourite. No, and that's what we gathered from your answer. <laughs> um, one word? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you my clear. I think Manchester United. Um, I think uh, they're trending in the right way. If they, if they can keep their squad fit, um, I still they got they got enough, um, and you know uh, they still got um, yeah players to 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 come in. So uh, for for me, you know they they're needed as well. So um, yeah, I've got uh, Man United as my one winner. word, Dave Tottenham. I was going to say the exact same, and I had I had a little bit of a wager on them while they were playing the other Mourinho style. Then I thought, well, that, that's gone down the bin. And now I wonder whether that might mm. just be coming back to life again. Yep, they'll back themselves against Dinamo Zagreb, no doubt. Now, there was some Premier League action live on Thursday morning. Manchester City 5, Southampton 2. The gap has extended to 14 points. No one's chasing that down. Manchester City, they rotate, they bring anyone in they like, Thomas. They're just phenomenal to watch when they get it right. And the big shock from this one is how they didn't go on with it further because, you know, watching it with you guys, what, an hour in when they'd scored five, you're thinking, oh, this is another nine-plus for Southampton maybe. Yeah, like it was 1-1 at uh, early doors and, and you would think, oh, maybe Southampton can can get something here and then suddenly it just went uh, ballistic and, you know, just the amount of chances and how easily they created the movement. Uh, it just really being ruthless, you know, you know, punishing Southampton for, for the slightest mistake and, and just exposing really their weakness uh, in the back line. Uh, Morris, I think, was, was tremendous. Kevin De Bruyne. Foden was was in there a few times as well and 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 had uh, some good chances so you know they, they, it could have been a lot more for sure 
Foden said after the game that it was a, a tough game because Southampton came out and wanted to play. But if you look at Mahrez's second goal, John, the amount of players in Southampton's box that he kind of jinked around, sort of got it onto his left, there were a lot of players there. It's not like it was open. They just allowed City to run at them. Look, I will question Southampton in other games and the way they defend. In this one here, you have to say Man City are just too good because Man City can do that to any side. And um, the way that they rebounded, I know what you're saying. They probably could close Mares. You know that he's going on his left foot and he's still able to go onto his left foot and, and actually uh, finish off chances. But, you know, just the way that they're playing at the moment is sensational. They... Great teams rebound straight away when they have a loss, and they did that. And uh, and that's what Guardiola will be happy about. They know they're going to win the competition. They know that the Premier League is theirs, but they still want to be playing at that level because they've got important games coming up, especially Champions League. Quick word on Southampton, where I think at five, you guys started to talk about how many does it go before Hassan Hoodle really gets under the pump. And the club backed him when he was at his lowest ebb two or three weeks ago. Um, but for me, regardless of if... It stayed at five or went on. They got Brighton coming up this weekend. They can almost not secure their status. Yeah, big time. It is. So it's a huge game. And then they've got a FA Cup opportunity to go to Wembley playing Bournemouth. So they've got two really big games where he can, a bit like Klopp, where this style has really suffered this year. They've got a couple of games where they can maybe just regenerate their season or get some security in it. Coming up this weekend in the Premier League, Newcastle are at home to Aston Villa in the early hours of Saturday morning. Your old boys, uh, mid-table, looking pretty solid, maybe falling away a bit without Grealish, but you have to beat Newcastle, Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, and I'm sure they will. Oh, very that, that means that Newcastle will be in a, a <laughs> massive... They're, they're already in a relegation battle, but oh, not good signs at, at the moment for Steve Bruce. Definitely not. With a whole heap of players out, things going wrong at the training ground, bus-ups, etc. Yep, bring it on if you're the neutral because it's absolutely <laughs> falling apart. They're not the only team in that situation, though. We'll get to a few others. Uh, Leeds, Chelsea. Dave and I won't be speaking to each other next week because Chelsea will probably win this by three. Uh, it's going to be a tough task, this, for Leeds, uh, Dave, for a few reasons. One, Chelsea are class. Still haven't lost under Tuchel. They're so confident both defensively and also in attack now. Leeds are sort of struggling a little bit at home, too. The pitch doesn't really play to their strengths. They're on, not in their best form. But I'll tell you what, though. It's the banana skin of all banana skins because no one will predict Leeds. I think it's actually a really, really good test. I, th- I feel like not that long ago I said the same thing when it was Lampard in charge. The difference now is I don't think Chelsea look like losing. So whether or not they're going to um, flow within an attacking sense and you have no idea which combination uh, Tuchel is going to pick in an, t- in an attacking sense, they don't look like losing. So that's the challenge for Bielsa and for Leeds is to try and move those puzzle pieces around, but no one has been able to do it yet under Tuchel. I wonder whether the openness will allow Tuchel actually to finally find a a, a performance from Chelsea that is a little bit more relaxed going forward. Well, that's what you want to see if you're a Leeds fan. You want to see them completely stretch the game, don't you, John? Because not many opponents have been able to do that, but that's kind of Leeds' thing against possession-heavy teams like they did against Man City, for example. Yeah, it will be interesting because uh, Leeds... 
nearly every game this season's outpossessed the opposition. Now Tuchel, he's outpossessing the opposition, but not by a little bit. Normally it's seventy percent. Mm. So I can't see it being stretched because the way that uh, they set up, they've always got at least five players behind the ball in the sense that they don't get caught on the counter, and that's what Leeds try and actually do and, and hurt you with. And when Leeds do press, I think they've got players like Jorginho, like Kovacic, Kante in the midfield that will be able to play into that midfield. They won't get caught on the ball like other teams do when Leeds press man-on-man and and make it very difficult. Yeah, last time it was arguably the best Chelsea performance under Lampard against Leeds. They uh, certainly enjoyed it. Uh, This is probably an easy one for you, Thomas. Early hours of Sunday morning, will you be watching Crystal Palace at home to West Brom? Company man, uh, do, come do on. I have to be honest? Or? You can be completely honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I'll get a, a little bit of sleep there uh, in between other games. Well, exactly, because then it's Everton and Burnley, the big one, of course. Uh, Everton still fighting for that top four spot. They just look like they're a step off, John, and they never were in the fight against Chelsea. They just they can't get consistency, it seems, Everton. Back at home, there's no excuse to not beat Burnley, but you sense it won't be easy. No, it won't be easy. Burnley are a tough side to play against, even if you're playing them at your home. And Everton haven't been great at home this season. They've been better away from home. But, um, yeah, Everton, you know, they'll still believe that they could probably push for Europe. The top four is out of the question because I don't think they've got the squad to do that. But uh, in terms of, uh, you know, playing for Europa League next season, that'll be a goal of theirs. I think they can do it. What about this for a reward for Fulham having beaten Liverpool last week. They come back to London after the Anfield win. They probably celebrate that, pat themselves on the back. Look at the ladder. Look at the fact they're level with Brighton and Newcastle just to point up the road. Look at the fixture list. Oh, shit. We're at home to Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's not a, a great proposition. But, uh, you know, I think Fulham, you know, they're playing really great. And, and this game is not going to be the deciding factor. You know, there, yeah. there'll be there'll be more games coming up where they can pick up points. And, and again, the pressure is off. We, we you know, talked about other games where the pressure is off here. You know, they can go out at home, uh, give it a good shot um, and, and make it hard for, for Man City. And, you know, like, like the Liverpool performance, you know, it's showed them that it's possible. And also Man City looking ahead to the Champions League tie next week. They'll only rotate and put a whole heap of internationals <laughs> yeah. in there, but maybe there's an opportunity. It doesn't really matter who they put out there. They've yeah. got, uh, you know, on the bench, you just see the players they've got. They play without a striker this morning, and they were still that dominant. They could score goals all over the pitch. So when they play in the Champions League final, as Thomas Thomas predicted, like they said it didn't work in the derby, but Bernardo Silva and Phil Foden are on the bench. Obviously, De Bruyne has still got to get a bit of fitness back. But what is your favourite combination of cities that comes out? Because I'm watching Gabriel Jesus going... I prefer him with Phil Foden or even Bernardo Silva, and maybe he's got to find a way to get them all on the team. Oh, look, I, I think that when he rotates, it depends on the opposition they're coming up against, and and he will see where their weakness is and and who he will start with. I don't think he's got a preferred starting eleven. I think at the back, yes, he's got his two centre backs that he will probably rely on uh, more in the midfield. You, you know, Rodri will be in his starting eleven up top. I think he's he's not afraid to actually throw it. De Bruyne will be on the the team sheet. That's the only one that I can say out of that top four that he would be on the team sheet. And either Edison or Kyle Walker in goal, but you think probably Edison. <laughs> no, Car- I'm going to keep standing up for Scotty Carson on this podcast. Well, I think he's like the fourth choice, Dave. So <laughs> Anyway, let's not talk about goalkeepers. Uh, Sunday night starts with Southampton and Brighton. As we said, it's that uh, Derby-Brighton not going well, and they'll be 
probably keeping an eye on what Fulham do the day before as well because they're obviously level on points. Leicester had a good win against Brighton last week. They're at home to Sheffield United early hours of the morning on Monday. Arsenal at home to Spurs. They haven't won in five North London derbies, Thomas, in all competitions. They've never gone six. How are they primed for this one? <laughs> well, you know, it's going to be a great game, I think. Um, you know, I think Arsenal... You know, it's it's a great chance for them to, you know, first of all, is a London derby. It's huge. Um, and, uh, yeah, they got the Europa League to think about. But, uh, you know, it's their last chance to really try to, to, to get into Europe. Uh, you know, if, if they lose this one, uh, I can't see them. You know, they'll be too far back uh, with the teams above them going going better. So, uh, you know, they, they'll know what, what, what's at stake. And, and they seem to rise to these occasions better than playing Burnley uh, and other, t- you know, bottom teams. So, so I, I, th- I think they'll give Tottenham a, a good, good shot and, and has a, a good chance for a win. Not sure what you mean. Granite Jacker looked really comfortable against Burnley last week. Uh, after that game, Manchester United are at home to West Ham, pushing for the top four. The Hammers, they can do it, surely. I mean, I'm, I don't know why I'm getting excited. They beat my team the other day. But it's hard not to get carried away with what they're doing because they're just consistent across the board. Front to back, they're solid. John, they don't have that many world beaters, but you just have to be impressed with David Moyes. Definitely impressed. They, their midfield's probably one of the best midfield in the Premier League at the moment, you would say. Um, but they weren't great against Leeds. Let's be honest, Leeds created a lot of chances and uh, and Bamford just didn't have uh, the best day. So if they play like that, Man United will win. But you don't expect them to play like that because they've been very consistent uh, throughout the season, West Ham. So, you know, I, I, I'm expecting that... To, well, I sat on the fence during the preview on that one and I'm still going to sit on the fence because I can't pick a winner out of that one. Yeah, careful. Your, your arse will hurt after a while <laughs> if you don't get off that fence, John. Of course, that's the David Moyes going back to his old club narrative, etc., etc. No. Yeah, yeah. That's a shame because he's been in great form, Lingard. I, I, you know what? I hadn't watched him for a while, so you didn't know how he was going to end up going at West Ham. But what a difference he's made to them. He's taken them to another level. They do have good players in that position, though, don't they? I mean, Fornals, Ben Rama, Bowen's back as well. That's what they've been really impressive in, sort of helping Antonio out up top. This will be a really good test for them against the Manchester United that aren't amazing at home. And then Wolves-Liverpool, Dave, rounds us off on Tuesday morning. Liverpool are back. What's everyone worried about? They're going to win the league. Tough game for them. Very tough game for them. But I'm actually... I mentioned it on on set. I'm intrigued that they've got three weeks after this. So they need to win, regroup... The only thing is, is that uh, internationals. So is is Klopp allowed to uh, not allow his players to go? There's some that he's not going to allow to go. If if anyone has to quarantine or anyone's going to get back, I think the clubs here, some managers are really going to kick up a stink. I think we're going to see a fair bit of tension, actually. Certainly his language has been they're not going. Okay. That's a great chance for him to work with them. The three weeks will be good for them then. Thomas, you think Liverpool can finally get a win? I mean, their last win in the league was away from home. We saw in their home leg, in inverted commas, in the Champions League, they got the result. Surely it's going to be a tough one for Wolves in arguably the tightest game of the weekend if you look at the way they're playing. Yeah, uh, and, and in my book, I totally agree. You know, they have to win this game, um, you know, for their season. You know, and also to, to, to show... You know, we, the, the the signs we saw after the Leipzig game. You know, the you know the smiles. The you know, you, you gotta continue that. You you gotta, you know, get some belief in that team, uh, especially with three weeks off, because that that's the the worst thing. If if they lose this one, don't get the yeah. win, and then the press can just, you know, you'll have to answer questions, and and, and that's an, another thing you have to think. They're about. They're all smiling. 
after the game, Klopp and his players, Thiago wasn't. Go back and look at the footage. He was sitting on the step. He was he was down. Hmm. Um, it, it's a, it's an interesting one because it was when he got subbed, wasn't it? Yeah, when he got subbed. So I, I'm a little bit. Uh, why wasn't he happy? Was it about getting subbed, which you know you, you wouldn't think so? Or was it his performance, or just he's not happy the way that the team is playing at the moment? Well, Liverpool go into this one in either eighth or ninth position if Aston Villa can get the job done over Newcastle, which you know, Thomas is obviously very confident about, given it is Newcastle to start the weekend. Uh, before that, guys, thanks for your company, of course. We'll see you all again next week for the Champions League. Uh, Dave, Johnny, Tommy, always a pleasure to have you guys on. And for you listeners out there, if you've made it this far, thank you and congratulations in between now and the next Gagan Pod. Enjoy your football. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.